Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us. As we explore the mysteries of Scripture. The realm of God. And freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the cast. In today's episode, we're discussing the purpose of miracles. The circumstances surrounding when they take place. Why God moves in this particular area. And what the goal is for them to accomplish, right Stephen? That's right. We are once again thrilled to be with you here today, guys, and we hope that you've had a blessed week so far. And if you haven't, we hope that this episode brings a little joy in your life as we discuss miracles. What are they good for? Are they real? Were they real? And what purpose are they really for? So, like Josh said, hopefully this episode's going to, you know, help us understand the miraculous topic a little better, or if nothing else, just help us chew on it a little better going forward. Yeah, that sounds like it's a little weighted there uh, in the front end, maybe a little forecasting of what you're going to talk about. Yeah, maybe a little window of, of where the discussion might lead from, from my study corner. You know, I'm always taking some left field exits. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> how many people are clicking on this going, okay, finally they're going to talk about miracles. And, yeah, right. You know, this is one of those questions that has to be, I I think, established firm in the hearts of believers. So we're not deceived or downcast if a miracle doesn't or does happen in the the way that we're pleading for it. Because I think about Paul, who's like, I asked for this thorn to be removed from me. And and I just know there's a lot of directions that this can go when we're talking about a gifting of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's a good point, too, because in people's minds, miracles can be perhaps defined in different ways and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's an important way to go. One of the things that we're definitely going to do is define the miracle, but I I think most of us will already have a good grasp on what miracles are biblically. But in the day and age we're, we're in now, terminology is so widely confused. We should definitely do some defining here because I know I'm not the only one that's heard it said like when a baby is born, oh, this is a miracle. Mm. Or when somebody has really had a a close call in an accident, we might hear, oh, it's a miracle they didn't die. Yeah. And there might already be a listener out there that's willing to debate me on the miracle of a baby being born. So I I will say that there's definitely an argument to be had there. But at least for me, I concentrated on the miraculous um, being things that scientists wouldn't call natural occurrences. Okay. Uh, while babies being born, it's truly a thing to ponder. They would not be considered a miracle from my angle of this particular study. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd throw that out there because terminology and definitions, people look at it a little differently, I think. No, I think that's important. So we'll say, to the Websters. No, to the Websters. <laughs> to the Internet. <laughs> the Interwebs. Yeah. So the miracle, as I found it on the interwebs, is defined as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Hmm. I don't. Do you have your own Webster's, Josh? I didn't do that one. Well, I think that pretty much says it. Yeah, probably. I, I, I like the way that that went. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we um, just go ahead and jump in into the topic of miracles with, uh, I don't know if I have a set step one direction, but I have uh, fun facts about miracles that that I start off in my notes, Josh, with. You want to go in, into another realm first, or you want to hit right through that? Why don't you unpack those facts? I will. So, miracles are only done through the power of divine beings. Uh, When we look back through Scripture, we see that every time the miraculous happens, there is some sort of divine presence behind it, Uh, sometimes demonic, sometimes from God. And we can not only see this through Scripture, but Jesus himself lays out 
a pretty interesting understanding on this in John 10, 31 through 39. And we definitely don't have to read all of that, but he shows us that miracles are done by the influence of the divine. Uh, Greek would be the theos word, Hebrew Elohim. And he kind of lays some play on words and whatnot in that scripture. But he puts the Old uh, Testament prophets in that category since Jesus' very spirit, we see in 1 Peter 1, 11, was in the prophets. Mm-hmm. So it, it was kind of a, uh, a divine being within them type of deal with the Holy Spirit. But uh, while well, the cool thing is that the prophets of old were in this category almost exclusively in the New Testament, because of the Holy Spirit, a divine being within us, we too, as God allows can have miraculous ability depending on the purpose God desires. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat, I thought. Yeah. yeah Fun little fact sure, yeah. that uh, I found at the beginning there. But I say let's go ahead and jump into the uh, more meat of the topic, Josh, yeah. as far as, um, I, well, the next spot I go is the relationship between faith and miracles. Should okay. we just dive right into that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I keep saying dive into it. I brought my swim trunks. Ain't no Michael Phelps. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) One of the first things uh, that I thought about when I entered my study corner was our episode back, Josh, do you remember in season one, the spiritual gifts episode? Yes, absolutely. Uh, The reason I thought about that was because at one point I had brought up the scene where Jesus said, if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, then we can say to a mountain, move from here to there. And I made the statement that I believed, and still do, that Jesus was speaking literally there. And before anyone starts to roll your eyes and and turn the episode off at that, I want to throw out any preconceived notions about what we think miracles are and what their purpose is. Because there would be two things to consider um, when literally faith moving a mountain. Number one would be, for what reason am I requesting this literal mountain to be moved? Mm-hmm. And number two would be, what is this going to look like? So to the first question, I think it's pivotal. Why do I want this? If it's for the reason of, let's see if it works, or this would be cool, or I could get a pretty good gig in Vegas by doing this stuff, then you're not going to see any mountains move, I don't believe. Uh, a miracle has to be for the purpose of God's will. So if you are following um, so closely in spirit with God's will, then I do believe you can be a part of an event like this, you know, Mm -hmm. big miracles. Um, This would be like a a deep connection linking your faith with God's will. And we'll we'll touch on that here in a second, but I want to quickly wrap my thought up here around uh, question number two, what will this look like? And I believe if you understand question number one, then this question won't really matter. The literal moving of a mountain could be in the form of a massive earthquake, melting glacier, tectonic shift beneath the earth, or it could be like a nuclear bomb used by man. There could be some village of believers that are in great danger and someone's faithful prayer alongside God's purpose actually moves a mountain via any way God chooses. Mm -hmm. And then we should remember that the mountain moved by our faithful prayer might not happen in our time frame. 
So I hope this clarifies at least a little bit for anyone out there who has thought about that kind of stuff, because that's that's kind of the, the realms my mind drifts sometimes when I hear about miracles and us being involved with them. But I don't believe that um, certain things are to be just passed over in Scripture. Uh, is there a metaphorical and parabolic imagery painted in Scripture? Of course there is. But we should never discount the power of God and the power of what he says uh, that our faith can do because that miracle seems too big. Uh, or only children believe in stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Our God is big, and we should always remember that we're a part of that as believers. And with all that being said, I want to establish that miracles are tied to faith. I usually try to establish that before like a soapbox rampage like I just went on right there. Oh, yeah. But it, it won't take long to do this. Oh, please. So Galatians 3, 5. So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And that's a statement of tying the miraculous to a sincere faith, not a ritualistic set of rules. And then the woman in Matthew 9.20 who had enough faith where she reached out and she could just uh, touch the edge of Jesus' robe, and she was convinced that that would heal her of her lifelong disease, and she was right. So faith is a big part of the miraculous. Uh, we can also see that uh, through scriptures that, that point to the lack of faith, like in Mark 6, 5, where Jesus couldn't do any miracles in his hometown because of the lack of faith there. So I just really wanted to point to uh, faith does have a, uh, a strong tie to the miraculous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, any, anyway, that's that's one thing I wanted to point out, Josh. Yeah. Anything you got to say on that? Yeah, faith is essential because it's not us working the miracle. It's faith in the one who makes the miracle happen. And, yeah. and I feel like that's where um, there's a lot of maybe misunderstanding about miracles that can happen in this day and age, especially where some people are like, I have that power. And yeah, I, <laughs> you're like, okay, well... Like you said, with the mountain, what is the purpose of that mountain actually moving? Mm-hmm. Because it has to be in harmony with what God's will is. Otherwise, it ain't moving. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So there's some specific reasons I think the Bible had Jesus doing miracles and has God doing miracles yes. all through it, isn't there? Yes, for sure. And and to be perfectly honest, when I went to my study corner on this, I came back with more points than a Baptist pastor on it. <laughs> so this might not sound as clear of a delivery as uh, sometimes I, I guess I give. So um, I was like, oh, I pointed that out and then I put scripture with it. Next point. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I went to the purpose of miracles, and I um, I found first and foremost that the purpose of miracles is to authenticate the character of Jesus and his relationship with God. So John 14, 11 in the NIV says this, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. So that's the NIV version. The NET version says it like this, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not believe me, believe because of the miraculous deeds themselves. Hmm. And so um, I I looked into that word and I wanted to make sure that this translation wasn't just pulling that out of thin air. It, it um, It actually tracks with the Greek. And it's really interesting that it's talking about Jesus saying, Hey, look, I can do these things to show that I'm God. And I feel like 
that's one of the deep rooted connections that we have throughout the whole Bible with miracles is that they were there to show God's power. Yeah. And they were there to show that God was moving in the lives of his people. And um, I'm going to go a little bit further about Jesus, if that's okay. Yeah. Because uh, another reason was to authenticate the message about Jesus through Jesus. And so Mark 16, 20, it's kind of like the Great Commission at the end of uh, the book of Mark. It said, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. And then Matthew eleven four through 6 uh, has Jesus saying, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And just thinking of every single thing that he listed there is miraculous. That's, that's what Jesus was doing um, virtually almost every day of his ministry. Yeah. Um, and then I thought of Mark 2 8, talking about authenticating the message of Jesus. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories. Um, it's about the guys that had the paralyzed friend and they really wanted to get him to see Jesus, but the, the house was full. So they started pulling back the roof and they, they carried their corner and they lowered the man in <laughs> basically on top of the crowd. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, in the midst of all those Pharisees, had that little discussion on what's, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise up, take up your bed and walk. Yeah. And of course, he says, uh, to show you that I have authority to forgive sins, then I'm going to say, get up and take your mat and walk. And um, I love the end of that verse that says, we've never seen anything like this because it was authenticating who he was through what he did. And it, it didn't stop there because it was also authenticating who he was through others. That thread of thinking continues into Acts chapter 14. Verse three says, so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. And then I couldn't help but think of the story in Acts chapter three, where Peter and John were walking into the temple to pray. And there's that guy that's like, alms for the poor and you know for the lame and peter looked at him and he was like uh i don't have silver and gold and the guy's all you know i'm gonna receive something but what i do have i give you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth walk and uh you know again it's authenticating the message of jesus by talking about jesus and by ministering in the in the faith of jesus yeah so that's uh I'm going to end some of my points there so I have more content as we go along. But <laughs> no, that's that's a it really is a thread throughout throughout scripture because yes. you know even in the Old Testament I think of like Psalm 77:14 it says you are the God who works wonders you have made known your strength among the peoples. Mm. And so it's this um doing a sign or wonder to let you know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. It points to his strength and that he's legit and the others aren't. Yes. Type of thing. Yeah, that's true. And and then to your point with the New Testament stuff, I, I think of like Hebrews two, three and four, it says um, that God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. He's talking about um, how, 
the gospel was a testimony because of those things. Yeah. Or, uh, if I'm saying that correctly, but um, that, that's what it's pointing to is, mm-hmm. is the signs and wonders. So, yeah, a very common thread. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one thing I noticed, too, was that Jesus' miracles seemed to be uh, primarily for bringing people to salvation, which I think is probably a sister-slash-cousin topic of what you just said. But I kind of have maybe a slightly different angle that um, I wanted to bring a few scriptures that I saw on that. It's it's not connected unless you use the word authenticate. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, we're good. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, since we know that salvation comes through Jesus, those miracles also pointed to the fact that he was the Messiah, you know, in that in his ministry in that time. Um, Acts 2.22 says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. And this was in, in Peter's first sermon and that word attested in the Greek means to show proof. Mm-hmm. So the signs and wonders Jesus showed were a proof to bring people to the gospel. And uh, Jesus also says in uh, John four forty eight, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. So miracles, they're, they're an attention getter. But more than that, they're a proof that sometimes is the only way to reach certain hearts. Uh, we know that God's heart is that no one should perish, so uh, he does use the miraculous for certain situations and hearts to uh, make sure that no one has an excuse because mm-hmm. some people are only reached by that avenue. Yeah. Um, and, and sadly enough, even though miracles are a proof for, for people to believe, they aren't really the best avenue for people to develop a strong faith in. Um, I do have some more to say on that. Um, Josh, but it's kind of in my wrapping wrapping up the ideas and the thoughts with it. Is there some more points on what miracles kind of point to as far as the attributes of God or anything that you have? Yeah, yeah. And just to go off of what you just said, I, I think of the um, parable that Jesus gives about Lazarus and the rich man, because he says that even if someone raises from the dead, they won't believe, which mm. later on in the book, a, a man named Lazarus does raise from the dead, and <laughs> right. they're like, we still don't believe. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, sometimes miracles, even though they have such a weighty effect, they still don't affect everyone. Yeah. But um, another purpose of miracles is to rescue those in immediate peril for God's purpose or to bring deliverance from imminent danger. Uh, one prime example of that is the parting of the Red Sea. Oh, yeah. And uh, right there, God did that kind of for a twofold purpose. I, I like how he divided and, and put himself between Israel and the oncoming Egyptian army and then um, parted the Red Sea so that they could cross on dry land. And then this is where it was a little dubious. He left the sea open so the Egyptian army could be like, we're going to get him and started you know, coming in. And he's like, remember how all those times you drowned the newborn um, Egyptian males? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I-, I haven't forgotten either. And so... <laughs> <laughs> Your tone there. It was so suggestive. <laughs> Payback time. Yeah. I, well, I don't want to say anything. That, I don't want to put words in God's mouth, oh, I but know, still. I know. And then think about the angel and the Assyrian army. 
oh, yeah. as Shenekareb's forces were outside of um, palace and all that. And yeah. and uh, in the book of Isaiah, Ezekiel's palace in the book of Isaiah. And, and they're like, please, uh, we can understand in your tongue. You don't have to speak Hebrew. And they're like, oh, no, we're speaking Hebrew to show the people that we mean business. And, you know, they fall flat on their face. And 185,000 are wiped out in one night. Is that yeah. the right number? Yeah, it's something like that. I remember. I yeah. I'm wanting to say that's right. Okay. So to rescue those in imminent uh, danger or um, immediate peril, those are the same things. So <laughs> uh, to proclaim his sovereign power over creation, as well as his commitment to the good of his people. I found this uh, miracles are often significant because they serve a larger purpose in God's redemptive plan, testifying to the authenticity of God's messengers who bring his revelation to humanity. This is one of the primary functions of miracles in the scriptural narratives. When miracles occur, they give evidence that God is truly at work and so serve to advance the gospel. Miracles authenticate God's message and his messengers. And um, just thinking of John chapter 3, when Nicodemus came as a member of the ruling Jewish council, he came to Jesus by night and he said, no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And so the scope of Jesus's healings and miracles shows the breadth of his authority. He heals the sick, casts out evil spirits, cures a variety of specific conditions, a flow of blood, a withered hand, blindness, deafness, paralysis, epilepsy, dropsy, leprosy, and fever. He resuscitates the dead and exercises power over nature. And then... Continuing on my Baptist points, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the purpose of miracles is to point to God's kingdom and the restoration of creation. Tim Keller says that miracles lead not simply to cognitive belief, but to worship, to awe, and to wonder. Jesus's miracles in particular were never magic tricks designed only to impress and coerce. Instead, he used miraculous power to heal the sick, feed the hungry, and raise the dead. Why? We modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant for them to be the restoration of the natural order. Jesus performed healings, exorcisms, and natural miracles, such as turning water into wine and multiplying food, as a sign that God's kingdom had come to earth. As Wayne Grudem puts it, one of the purposes of miracles was to bear witness to the fact that the kingdom of God has come and begun to expand its beneficial results into people's lives. This is the point of what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 28. But if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Because of Jesus's miraculous works, those who saw him knew that the God of Israel was once again acting in their midst. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I can't even help but think of the part where um, on Palm Sunday, as the people are crying out Hosanna, and um, and they're like, "Should we tell him to be quiet?" And yeah. and uh, he Jesus looks and he goes, "Well, if they weren't to sing, even the rocks and the trees would cry out." I love that. And part. for for a second, I almost wanted the people to stop praising because I wanted to hear creation just shouting because that would, that would be pretty miraculous. But um, I just, I can't help but think of um, creation wanting to be restored to its original creative order and um, being excited when miracles happen that kind of interact with that. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that you brought also the the fact that creation is a part of this this yearning to get back to that garden like state. Yes, and uh, people coming to salvation are a part of that and, mm-hmm. and everything. And that as far in left field as I might have gone with the whole moving a mountain thing in the beginning, I think that's that's kind of meshes together pretty well because these all of these miracles that God has done in the Old Testament all the way to now, it's really. It's a striving and pushing for things to go back to its its original order. Yes. And if, if you're wanting to see something fancy outside of those realms, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if it's in tune with God's spirit and, and all of that, uh, it's just a really cool thing that, that a human could be a part of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I really wanted to close with asking the question, how should we view miracles today? First, we must realize that the sheer volume and close proximity of the miracles in the Bible serve significant purposes in God's redemptive plan at the time. However, this point doesn't mean that miracles have ceased today. Indeed, as Wayne Grudem, the author of Systematic Theology, notes, there is nothing inappropriate in seeking miracles for the proper purposes for which they are given by God, to confirm the truthfulness of the gospel message, to bring help to those in times of need, to remove hindrances in people's ministries, and to bring glory to God. And I just wanted to say, miracles still happen, and Christians, and we as Christians, and as snake birds, should avoid the two extremes of seeing everything as a miracle <laughs> and seeing nothing as a miracle. Yeah. Now, that's, there's a lot of truth in that for sure. Mm-hmm. One thing I think about, too, uh, since you posed the question, you know, how should we look at this today, is when Jesus was doing miracles back then, the stuff he was doing... Um, we live enough in a sci-fi age where things are coming to fruition through technology mm-hmm. that a lot of things that Jesus did back then could probably, um, with the technology we have, have some scientists explain it away a lot more convincingly mm-hmm. now than back then. Yeah. So I think miracles take a different form now. No, I'm not saying all of them, but I think that God probably uses them um probably a little different in this age than he did that age, uh, according to the ages that that are born and the things that are happening and all that. But I I am a firm believer that that God does the real big ones still. Yes, Yes. yeah, for sure. And and my view on miracles hasn't changed. I think that sometimes I do go and and my imagination wanders into the Mm sci-fi aspect of it where it's like, oh, you know, but I mean... I'd have no problem praying that God would heal a paraplegic or um, asking that someone with a crooked hand, you know, I I just can imagine what that would look like in the Bible where the guy comes with a withered hand and asking God to restore it. And that not being outside the realm of possibility of what God can do, even in this day and age. One of my favorite stories, I think I've told it on the podcast before, but it's a pastor in California who they rolled up a grandpa in uh, a wheelchair and they brought him forward and they asked him to pray for him and so he kind of went to his immediate little mind prayer closet real quick and said God I don't know if you want to do this but I'm going to pray and so he prayed for the man and he said stand up and the guy stood up and uh, they were like we haven't seen him walk in years he, we just, he just had a cold you know and, <laughs> and so you know but it also reminds me that I mean there's a lot of times where you think about asking for resurrection from the dead Mm -hmm. until we're in those resurrected bodies 
we still die again. Mm -hmm. Lazarus was raised from the dead. He still died again. And while there are times where we do pray for a miracle, we pray for restoration of sight, we pray for healing in certain areas. To me, I I think it's just got to be coupled really with the power of the Holy Spirit because our bodies are, are fleeting and the purpose of miracles have to all be about bringing glory to Jesus. And if Mm -hmm. we miss that point, then we've lost the plot. No, I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Well said. Well, the last that I have on, on the subject is, um, the fact that sometimes miracles aren't enough. I kind of mentioned it earlier, Okay. but, um, we, we see in, in John four forty eight and John ten thirty eight that Jesus urges people to recognize him through miracles. Um, we also see that it's only a possible stepping stone to salvation. Mm. Um, John twelve thirty seven. I think you mentioned this one earlier says, though he had done many signs before them, they still do not believe in him. Mm. And it makes me think of those times that I've heard people say, and I myself have said, man, I wish I could have been alive in those times to see Jesus or Moses or any of the people and events related to these these big events of, of miracles. And there's nothing wrong with, with the desire to see those things, but we have to remember Jesus' words in John twenty twenty nine, because you have seen me, you have now believed, but blessed are those who did not see and yet mm. believed. So we really have to remember that while miracles throughout Scripture, and even currently, are meant to spurn an interest in people's hearts and accomplish God's will, um, not just to spurn an interest, but we we went over several different ways they work, but um, it's not meant to be a foundation stone for our belief. Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, remember, miracles can be done through demonic avenues too and the antichrist is going to use them to turn many away in the end times so to put your faith in miracles or seeing something that's miraculous is is not a good foundation no but it can be a fleece from god um in certain things that you've asked for Uh, sometimes what they would have considered a miraculous healing back in the day the doctors now might say oh well we saw in the x-ray this shifted and, and they're healed now because of this well, God can do that stuff in, in people and heal people miraculously, whether doctors want to explain it away or not. I believe God does that stuff now. And so there's nothing wrong with um, stuff in the fleece realm and, and all of that and trusting God for miracles even today. So mm-hmm. it's just not our foundation. Yes. Yeah. Because we go back to even what Paul said about the spiritual gifts. It's we're all members of the body and like, God has gifted some people with that and some mm-hmm. people with others. And, and I mean, what is the purpose of him moving in that specific method? Yeah, there, there's got, it's got to fall into that criteria of bringing glory to him, mm-hmm. pushing the gospel, you know, everything back, yeah. like you said, back into its natural order. Yeah, because if in any way it brings uh, glory to the miracle worker, other, you know, yeah. then it, it's not good. Uh, Simon the Sorcerer, yeah. Balaam, yeah. all sorts of uh, yeah. examples. If, where... I, if I see revival posters about, you know, miracle worker, you know, blah, 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 person, such and such a person coming in, it scares the tar out of me because I'm like... Either even this if, is fake or it's demonic. Yeah, because <laughs> even if God has worked in that avenue, yeah. who's to say that he still will? Well, this? and I, I guess I, I kind of jumped out there with that comment, but they, I'm not limiting you know, what pe- can be done through people. But I am a very skeptical person mm. person by nature, too. So yeah. I, that's the two things that pop in my head. Yeah. 
But anyway, that's in a nutshell what went through in Josh and I's head when it comes to <laughs> miracles. Yeah. Um, as always, there's no way we, we touched everything that probably no some of y'all are thinking out there. So if there's any um, any other avenues we missed or, or you want to hear more into, uh, reach out to us and say, hey, what about this or what about whatever's on your heart? We, we encourage you to reach out with that. Yeah, I would love to see if there was a whole nother dimension of this discussion that we just completely bypassed. I guarantee there is, at least from where I came from. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's, we're so limited, and sometimes we get tunnel vision. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah reach out with questions and, and angles that y'all might think of. Uh, a steady corner is still only 90 degrees. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it just sounds like Napoleon Dynamite. So. If we did miss something and you'd like to add to the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out on our Facebook or through email at connectatbeasnakebird.com. And um, we would love to hear from you. There's, There's just no way else to put it other than to say that this is a community. And not just two guys talking into mics and sending it out uh, through a podcast. For sure. We don't want it to be just that. Yeah. yeah. So reach out. And um, if you feel feel it in your heart, share the podcast. Give us a rating. And uh, we just uh, really love every week getting together and knowing that you are here with us. And iron sharpening iron, the whole shebang. So we love getting here with you guys. Yes. And for those that have reached out, it's so awesome to see your emails, to see your feedback, to Very see your, your comments or your reviews. We really do appreciate all that you're doing to, to let us know that you are participating. So thank you so much. Yes. Very encouraging. Yeah. Okay. Snakebirds, always remember whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus. The OG miracle worker. And (laughs) And be a snake bird. bird.